going on, everybody? Cheers. Happy Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is when you are watching or listening to this. Welcome to the With Her Two Hands podcast, where each week we get to sit down with an incredible woman in the trades. It's all about celebrating the women who build, fix, and make things with their own two hands. I'm super excited this week because, as you can maybe tell, I'm neither at home nor am I in a hotel or an Airbnb. But I'm in a really cool shop. So those who are listening in the podcast form, you can't see this. For those of you who are watching, make sure at the end of tonight's episode, you hang out because we're going to get to do a little shop tour of this very cool shop and check out some of the awesome projects that are going on. But before we dive into things, first of all, a big apology for not having an episode last week. I promise that will not happen again. I was having technical difficulties. Thing internet is so fickle and so frustrating. But Getting the kinks worked out, and I appreciate you guys tuning back in this week. Um, as always, new episodes every Wednesday, archived episodes every Monday. So twice a week, you get to have another episode of With Her Two Hands. And you can always catch this live on YouTube or on Facebook. And you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, I am really excited this week to be welcoming a new partner on this podcast series, uh, and it's uh, a company that if you're in the automotive industry, you should be familiar with. If you work in the trades, you know that having the right tools, the best education, and the best contact list of resources is absolutely crucial. So every year, Apex is actually my go-to event to check all of those boxes. Um, there you can discover the latest and greatest in tools and parts, and you can get some unparalleled networking in at America's largest automotive aftermarket event. Apex 2023 is in Las Vegas this year, October 31st through November 2nd. And don't hesitate. Go get your tickets. Get registered now for your inside track to the automotive aftermarket. I will have the link in the description below so you can go get your tickets now. But... Without further ado, we've got an awesome guest today. She is an incredibly talented woman. She has done some amazing things in her career, and she is just start getting started, guys. She's got a ton of cool stuff up her sleeve. If you've been watching this series for, from the beginning, you may remember that we had her as a guest probably about two years ago, maybe, um, when she was just getting started on a big adventure internationally. Um, but somehow the internet ate that episode. And uh, I've not been able to retrieve it. So I thought, you know what? Um, I am here in North Carolina for the ASC Instructors Conference. And this lovely woman lives also here in North Carolina. And I'm like, we can do this. Let's go visit. Let's see your shop. So I'm really excited to welcome Miss Heather Holler back to the show. Everybody, welcome <laughs> live and in person here with me, Miss Heather Holler, a.k.a. Miss Schiff. Apparently, that's apparently, the, that's, people have started calling me mischief. Isn't that your Instagram, Instagram name? No wonder people start calling you that. That's your handle. <laughs> you did that to yourself. I know, but it's weird when like, you start to like, hey, mischief. It's like, no, that's not oh. my actual name. Like, it takes a couple of seconds. I'm like, oh, Heather. <laughs> I love it. So um, I'm going to try to do my best to make eye contact with you guys instead yeah. of like showing like, you the side of here? my face. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to look at each other <laughs> through the camera. So I promise I'm not being rude. I am looking at her just on screen. So um, we don't often do this in person, but it's kind of fun when we get the opportunity to. So Heather, why don't you introduce yourself to the fine folks at home? Because you're going to do a way better job introducing yourself than I'm going to do. So tell them, tell them about yourself. Okay, well, short and sweet, my name is Heather Holler. Uh, Hubby's got Holler Customs there, so um, we're in our shop. Technically, this is more his shop than mine because I travel for work. Mm. So I have like a couple little projects on the side, but um, I'm a freelance motorsport mechanic. So basically people pay me to travel around and go work on their race cars. There's like so many people's dream jobs, <laughs> I would think. I have to, there's so many questions I have. I want to go back in time. I want to dig into like how you, how you got here, but I'm curious, like right off the bat, like when you were getting into the industry, did you even know that like traveling motorsports technician was a thing? <laughs> didn't even know. Like, I think we have, I mean, a lot of us are, you know, we've got parents that can do anything you want in the world, but like, I don't think your imagination really right. even know, like, I don't know. So yeah, I, 
got my first job in motorsport with the Subaru team. And that's when I learned about freelancers. And I just was new, so I didn't really think much of it. And uh, it's just kind of grown from it there. It kind of took off on it. its own. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay, let's go back in okay. time, though, because um, because the other episode is lost in the ether. Um, I can't ask everybody to go back and reference that and find out the history. So we're going to learn the history again. So um, how how did you get your start in the automotive industry? Did you, like, grow up knowing that this is what you wanted to do when you grew up? Is this... How how did this come about? Oh man, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I did not know that. I lived in Germany once before okay. when I was nineteen, and I was invited to try out for the women's Nuremberg team. And a couple weeks before tryouts, I had surgery. So, oh, after I came home, my dad would come like, I'm twenty. You know, I have no idea what I wanted to do. And you know, dad was like, you'll know when it gives you the goosebumps and it brings a tear to your eye. Oh, I love that. So my boyfriend attempted to take me to an autocross event. Okay. And I had the goosebumps the whole time, sold my SUV two weeks later, got my little Subaru, and like that little gray Subaru outside, that's that car. Oh my goodness. That's my first car. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I still have my first car too. It's Yay. all sentimental, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. can't get well, rid he, of the first car. Sorry, my husband's in the back kind of watching, but he will never, <laughs> he won't ever let me get rid of it. No, he shouldn't. You yeah, should it's not. kind of like a staple of how we met, to be honest. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. So. You go to this uh, autocross event, yeah. and immediately you fall in love with it. Did you, at that point, think, like, I want to do this? Or what? Because you wound up going to UTI yeah. to get mechanic so training. So I bought that car. Yeah. And it had a blown motor. Of surprise, course. surprise, Subaru. <laughs> we do love Subarus, but, like, we do. I have let's be real. <laughs> They're <laughs> engines. <laughs> um. So I was kind of forced out of necessity to learn how to work on cars because I couldn't afford it. You know, I'm a 20 year old with no direction in life. So <laughs> during auto class, I met a guy who had a full swab, low, low mileage, harnesses and everything. So that's literally how I learned. Interesting. But it was all so much at once. I couldn't yeah. really take everything in. Um, had you ever done anything <laughs> no. mechanical previously? So you yeah. just literally, what made you think that you... Like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, yeah. but like, because I think a lot of people would see that and think, I, I've never done this. There's no way I could do this. This is huge. What gave you the chutzpah to, to bring out my Yiddish roots? Um, what gave you the chutzpah That's to be, yeah, yeah, you've not heard chutzpah? No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no. My New Yorkers know chutzpah. Even if you're not Jewish, you know chutzpah. Um, what gave you the guts? What you, gave you the confidence to say, you know what? I can, yeah, I can do that. I, I think it was the um disbelief in myself to be honest like I remember having my boyfriend guide me on a brig job okay and I'm like oh do this and like I did it okay like like, I wasn't so bad Mm. like for whatever reason I feel like there is this like intimidation factor when you know nothing about it like these tools machinery and it's like this stuff could kill me it's, it's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. It really is, you know. And like, even coming from a dealership, we don't use like cutoff wheel as a mechanic usually, especially out west with no rust. Yeah. So, like getting into motorsport, even a cutoff wheel was intimidating. To yeah, me yeah. New so, tools, new tools are, and you had all of it, like all at the same time. You had engines, which you knew nothing about, and cars, which you knew nothing about. Yeah, all of it. So, but yeah. I love that, like. So somebody, I had another interview uh, a couple of weeks back, and um, and she was a plumber, and she said, you know, what when you when you are intimidated by something, think about the last thing that you thought was going to be scary, and you did it, and it, and you were okay at it, and like hold that memory. And I thought that was like a really powerful statement. And you kind of had that because you like, yeah. I thought the brakes were going to be scary, but I did it. Yeah. And so like, now fine. this became the next, like, okay, well, I can, if I did that, I can, I can do this. Yeah. I literally had no idea what we were even doing. He's like, oh, just do this. I'm like, aye, aye, captain. Like, <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> well, and you had somebody helping, so that's helpful. Absolutely. Like, completely, like, I was the puppy dog holding the flashlight. Yeah. Like, I think the one thing that I really took out of that, though, was wiring. And that's a big thing that a lot of people are intimidated about. Yes. But it's because I could read it I could take it home with me I didn't need it in front of me oh interesting okay and so I had to merge my own harness yeah and like 
so I had to know how to read wiring diagrams and that was really the only thing on my car that I fully I can't say I did that myself obviously I had guidance but like that was my project it was a nightmare it has since been semi (laughs) (laughs) so it did wirings kind of stay your thing like did you enjoy that yeah or it was similar to like engine building where I like it's a lot to do Uh but it's it's like a it, it will take up a whole day to do and so I feel like once you get on that track and you just go next thing you know like day's over time to go home or you're done yeah I don't know I just kind of like that busy work yeah I'm I'm with you on that I like um I'm I don't mind little projects because you get that instant sense of satisfaction. Like, right, yeah. oh, I did a thing. Like a fan and a wheel. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I did a thing. That's awesome. But I also really love those projects that you can just, like, roll up your sleeve and, like, dig in and, like, the, everything disappears and you're just like, oh, I'm deep inside this project. Those are really fun, too. So, interesting. Okay. So, you do this engine. Well, I do the whole car. You do the whole car. Yeah. Luckily, okay. I didn't have to break open the engine. It's okay. Thing. Just slap it in and go. <laughs> Just just slap it Send in. It. She makes that sound easy. <laughs> um, but so after about a year, year and a half, um, we had split up by this point and I was seeing was it another the project guy. that broke you guys Probably. up. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's a Mac. <laughs> I mean sometimes those projects bring people together and sometimes they do rub them apart. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but I was seeing another guy and he went to tech school Okay. and I had a friend at the time going to tech school. He was about halfway finished. And like I said, I didn't really know what to do, but I really liked this thing. It yeah. gave me the goosebumps. Yeah. I love that. So I was like, screw it. Let's go to tech school. And to be honest, I kind of had this thought once before when I was with the first boyfriend. Um, but I actually had a recruiter come to my house and he was like, I don't think that you're ready. He's like, I don't think you can do it because interesting. Te- well, tech school, you're in school for eight hours a day and then you have to like work. Yeah. And so finding the hours, especially if you want a job in the industry. So I got lucky and I found one in the industry as an apprentice at a local Subaru dealership. Okay. But that only gave me four hours of time at work. Okay. So I was only making 20 hours a week. Right. On top of trying to get to school at 5 a.m. Yeah. So, like, it was really hard to make all your bills meet and all, all of that stuff. So, um, I totally lost my train of thought. The recruiter. The recruiter. Telling you you weren't he, ready. My parents weren't on board to financially be able to help They me. were not. They were board. not capable of okay. doing it, really. Okay. And so, he's like, I just don't think you you won't make it. I, like, I just, you know, especially if you're not sure. Because I kept feeling it Interesting. Out. And I think it was, like, three months later. I was like, I'm going anyways. Good for you. I don't care. Did tell me Go about ahead. this recruiter because this isn't like this has been a topic that I've been talking about a lot recently. I told you I'm at this instructor conference and we're talking about you know getting more women into these programs and all of this. And like, and yet they're still being people turned away from these programs, right? We have this massive shortage of technicians, and we'll, we're still turning people away. So, do you feel like it, the turn away, the being discouraged, was it purely about the financial? I think it was a combination of the financial and the fact that I wasn't completely sure. But the fact of the matter is, like, you're dealing with 18-year-olds all the time. Do you really know? I had no idea when I was 18. So, no. um, But I don't know. Like, it just kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is what I want to do, so I'm just going to go do that. Oh, and it was I cool. It. Like, um, honestly, like once I started school, it was intimidating at first. You're like one of a thousand dudes. Yep. Everybody is staring. And it really luckily only took a couple weeks and luckily I had a friend there and I felt starting to like be okay. You had a friend like who was a friend prior. Correct. So yeah, we went to high school together. Okay, that's awesome. That's yeah, really it was helpful. really helpful. Really, really helpful. And so I made some friends that were from the same town as me. So right. it worked out and and it seemed like my entire experience at UTI was really good amazing it was which campus did you go to I went to Sacramento okay I had an instructor once actually pull me out of class and I thought I was in trouble he made it sound like I was in trouble and I don't know if it was kind of like a tactic to make to not be excluded from a group for maybe 
a reason of favoritism perhaps okay. I don't think he ever showed that but like he basically pulled me out and he's like I need you to get uncomfortable what I need he's like, you you're, to get uncomfortable you're not learning if you're not uncomfortable and you my dear are not learning and you can do so much more than what you're doing and so interesting yeah it was really really cool actually it honestly thinking back now there was another heather in the school and i think there was an incident and maybe that's why he was making huh. it seem like he's in trouble but i've literally stuck with that huh. my entire career i love that because i'm on i've been uncomfortable ev almost every single day of my career like i've been terrified yeah I love yes. that Dave, so much. <laughs> I love that so much. I had a, an old mentor say, "Get on, get comfortable being uncomfortable." And that's Embracing. that's what you're saying, right? Just like get comfortable. If you're not uncomfortable, if you don't have that feeling in your gut of like, "Oh, what the heck did I just get myself into?" Then you're lifing wrong. Yeah, so I love that. I really think that it helped in the motorsport world. Heck yeah, you're under such pressure, and when you're constantly pushing that limit of stress and pressure yeah. then something big isn't as big right so that's fascinating <laughs> i love it okay so how so there were other girls in the program yes no yeah there were a okay. handful okay but, but we kind of i mean we never really had another class with one yeah um until like the last three classes I, there was like three of us interesting yeah it was weird it was cool though i, yeah. did, I dug it it was really when you when you enrolled, like, did you know going into it that you were going to be like one of the onlys, or like, were you prepared for yeah. walking into a sea of men? Yeah, <laughs> um, just because of like, just honestly, like, because of how social media reacted. Oh, interesting. How social media? Reacted. Yeah, like, okay. Because I don't know, like, it's. I feel like maybe when I started, it was right on that cusp of like women really just going. Mm. And so, I auto. I don't think they can hear. Okay, it. I think it's, if you guys hear a weird squeaking noise in the background, uh, there is a dog with a very favorite chew toy that's happening down on the floor. He's going to. But uh, I, so hopefully you guys can't hear that. If you can, now Sorry. you know what that is. It's not one of our stomachs. I promise. It's the, the dog with the dog toy. Um, <laughs> But, uh, oh yeah, now the train of thought is really going. I know, right. Um, <laughs> oh no, okay, we're talking about motorsport, and it really helped. Uh, oh, the reaction from social media. Oh yeah, the social media reaction. Being... So, um, yeah, like, uh, it was just, for whatever reason, going, like, oh my god, a girl with a car. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. And I grew up with all boys, so, okay. it, like, I kind of always have been, like, I had girlfriends and stuff growing up, but, like, the group that I grew up with, that I genuinely feel is part of the reason why I just kind of have this little wild hair up my ass sometimes. Yeah. So I had to keep up or be left behind. So, um, yeah, I've always kind of been the only one. Okay. So it didn't, it didn't, wasn't a didn't surprise you and it didn't like intimidate you. It intimidated me for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, everybody's watching you more. They're watching you closer. I literally had a dealership where I had to work in front of the windows of the yes the waiting room for a little while yes. and I could not it was the wildest thing like when they don't realize that you can see them and the looks and the Ugh, I'm like is that really that much of a freak show yeah so this is an interesting phenomena for those who are in other industries in a lot of dealerships they'll have like a big picture window where customers can sit and watch the technicians working on cars. And I have noticed many female technicians who have said they get put in front of the window. Because it, it and it, it's like, it, it's like the dealership is going, look, we have a girl. And like putting you on display, but it definitely adds to the intimidation factor because you have the techs, your fellow techs who are watching you until you get to know them. Yeah. And now you have the customers sitting there watching you. <laughs> And it's, it, it can be a lot. Yeah. It can be that a lot. dealership was really cool, though. Like, um, I actually, my service manager, Kurt, you're dope. Uh, <laughs> he had a customer that was like, I don't let girls drive my car. He's like, well, unless you want your car fixed, 
she's taking it out back because she's working on it. Like, hell yeah, do you think? That's awesome. <laughs> That's so important having people who have your back in the industry because that without it, like male allies out there, y'all, like we cannot do this without you. Like, it's just, it is, it is so crucial. Doggo attack. <laughs> um, no, we're fine. Um, so, okay, so we're jumping all around because you and I are both squirrel brain people. So we're like, ooh, shiny. Right. But um, we're talking about like how it's kind of like a shock factor. It seems like yeah. for whatever reason. And like dealerships will put these, they'll put you out there as like a showpiece. Yeah. And the problem is, is this can really bite you in the ass as a female. Yeah. Because then you're accused of looking for attention. Yes. Yes. And yet it's because we were put in that position. This is a right. big problem with living in Europe, to be honest. And I, I don't know if, I don't think it's a cultural thing. Like the, there was a couple other teams that had uh, female mechanics, to be honest. Okay. But um, there was, there was some uh, concern brought up to my manager. Um, apparently my entire car crew was in my manager's office complaining about my social media presence. And like the thing is, is like I have to get approval for anything related to the team to even post it. Yeah. So a lot of these are reposts from the team. Interesting. But then I was no longer allowed to have photos and videos taken. Interesting. So when you're That's the only female. That's a whole female, another layer of things. Yeah, yeah. When you're the only female, and this is a wild thing, like for whatever reason, Kenya really stuck out to me. Because this is a country where there's a high marital death rate. Because women are more interested in staying in a crap relationship mm. than being alone. Because once you've been married and divorced over there, you are trash. Nobody wants you anymore. And so they find oh, wow. themselves in this. So because of that culture and being in Kenya, I was like, I felt like a royalty. Like I had uh, a woman bring me a bouquet of flowers. Oh, wow all kinds of photos i signed a, a rally history book and so the guys were seeing this and they're like what the hell like we're literally doing the same thing you know i felt bad at one point i was in the airport with Thierry newville's number one mechanic that's a big deal mm -hmm. and i was recognized before he was you know and i felt awful because and by women yeah dude like some well, by my men and women, but like it sucks because like I know that Antony put in way more time and sacrifices than I did, right. but yet he's not getting recognized for it. It's interesting, and that's the double-edged sword, though, right? Like because when when there are only a few of you, right? When there's there's not a lot of women, you stand out, yeah, which can be both amazing. Mm -hmm. and awful right like you're so much more easily recognizable so when you make a mistake everybody knows because it's like the girl right mm -hmm. but when you're doing awesome and like just your mere existence like to your point like these women were like oh my gosh right <laughs> yeah. so inspired by you and just your visibility and your presence was impacting people in like a really deep way yeah absolutely Interesting. yeah it really was so, oh my you know, I got accused of looking for attention. You know, you're just a mechanic. So are we. But, I, you know, it sucks because they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, they don't know that. Right. So, like, they don't, they don't get it. Yeah. Which was kind of sad. That is. <laughs> I thought I was being inspirational. I'm like, you were. <laughs> you were. <laughs> you were being inspirational. You are inspirational. <laughs> um, so, we've skipped a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We jumped into so living stuff. and working other countries. but. Um, you went to a dealership first, yeah, so you yeah. so you went to UTI. You graduated from UTI. Did yeah. you do any of the graduate program? No, or? because I had I was lucky and I got the apprenticeship six months into starting school. Okay. So I believe that's what set me apart from a lot of my my classmates. Okay. Um, I could practice what I learned in school right at work. So I just stuck with Subaru. I was a certified Subaru mechanic for six years. Okay. Um, and in the process of working on Subarus, you naturally learn about rally. <laughs> And like it was cool, but I was still maybe a, only two years into it at this point. And I actually emailed the owner of Vermont Sports Car, which is the Subaru team. Okay. I'm like, how do I do this? Like, what does it take? And he's like, you just need experience, you know. Blah. So I, I 
think by the time I left Subaru, I had over 150 classes done with Subaru. I had wow. completed every single engines class there was available. Wow. And I was on the verge of like checking off every possible category that there was. And that was intentional. You were like on a mission yeah. to get the most education, the most experience to go do this. Team. Because at that point on paper, as far as Subarus are concerned, I was the most qualified mechanic on the team. Okay. Smart. But when you get to that level of motorsport, the only thing super on those cars is a badge. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So that is when... I picked up power tools and I learned about aftermarket stuff. I had no idea yeah. what a Heimgen was. Yeah, I didn't know what a Heimgen was for years until getting out of the dealership land. And for those who are not on the mechanic side of, of the trades um, or aren't familiar with this, like the, the dealership world and the aftermarket world and the race world, like these are all very different areas. So you yes. can be a mechanic but there's 15 different ways to be yeah. a mechanic. And there's not, like, I'm not saying either, like, oh, I'm a motorsport mechanic. I'm better than the dealership. No, it's just different. You bet your money that if I were to go back into a super dealership today, I would get my ass handed to yeah. me. Oh, like, I, hands my down diagnostic skills are nowhere near what they were back then, but I can get the hell out of a race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all very different skill sets. And I think that's why, like, I, and I'm sure you've experienced this a bit too. You know, we had a, an episode where Faye and Angelina came on and we were talking about um, imposter syndrome Yes, oh, and like how yeah. often we get kind of like thrilled on different specific types of knowledge and that, and how it can be easy to let that in and feel like, Oh, I'm not smart enough. I don't know all of these things, but like it is, they're very different parts of the industry. Being yes. a dealership mechanic, being a race mechanic, being a custom car builder, like these are all such different skill sets yeah so so how did you make the jump you like got all of these qualifications and then you just did you just keep poking the guy who was in charge of the team or like so how did you get that I somehow managed to get an interview in Los Angeles okay so at the time I was still on the west coast okay I drove nine hours down to LA their schedule was so busy the only time that I could get an interview in was at a bar at 10 o'clock at night Oh, geez. Yeah. That's super professional. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I hey, mean, we do what we got to do. To be honest, though, like, that's literally the only time you might have. You yeah. Know? And this guy, he was like, I'm trying to get you in. I'm trying to get you in. And I genuinely kind of thought he forgot about me, you know? So I was with a friend down. The same guy I went to tech school okay. with. And I was like, I mean, whatever, dude. You want to go out and go visit another homie? Because I'm like, I don't think he's calling. And then he's like, I'm so sorry. Can you come up? Uh, okay. So, um, we did just, they have a position open or were you like just pursuing this regardless of whether they had a position open? Yeah, they did not have a position. Okay. So they were interested. They could not guarantee a position. Okay. And they said it would be a lot easier to make a decision if it came up if I lived in Vermont. Oh. So three weeks later, I packed up all of my stuff and my dog and I moved 3,000 miles across the country. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you got laser, you got laser focused yeah. on this as yeah. the path that you wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, so I worked at a dealership locally for about three or four months and just hounded the race team. Okay. So I don't know if, if, if it's like the paper it looked good or if I was just annoying enough. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll wait for her to mess up and we'll fire her. <laughs> Do you, did you really feel like that was... That was an element? Not necessarily, like, I, I think maybe the element of pushing, but I think, I'd like to think that it was just showing, I'm here for this. Yeah. I want you this know? bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, this is your first motorsports position. You're now suddenly discovering that nothing in it is actually Subaru. It's all completely other stuff. Um. Were you totally caught off guard by that when you got here? Like, tell me, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> tell me about your like first, like your first day. My first day is one of my most memorable days because, like I said, I've never just randomly drilled a hole in a car for no reason. Um, walk in my number one, Joe. He goes, "All right, we're gonna build a race car today." Oh, okay, and I see this beautiful caged 
race car. There's no body panels on it, nothing. And okay. it's not a scratch, not a hole, nothing. And he's like, we're going to drill holes all down here and here, and we're going to cut this. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I learned how to drill holes. Fun fact, there's a method. Um, there is indeed. There is. <laughs> I'll just shove it in there and go for it. Um, but yeah, so that was when I learned about power tools and aftermarket components. And I just threw myself in there yeah. and hoped for the best. <laughs> were you ever like, oh my gosh, this is too much, too intimidating? Or were you just like, you had embraced that be uncomfortable yeah, thing I, so I had much. just spent, at this point, it had been six years of learning. And when you're learning, you feel stupid sometimes. You feel really dumb. And this actually came up recently. Quite honestly, like, I'm not afraid to ask questions anymore because I'm used to feeling stupid. And I would rather know the answer than assume something and do it incorrectly. Oh, I wish more people had that attitude. <laughs> that is an amazing, I love that. Like, I want to be stupid. My I mean, that time is weird, valuable. I yeah. want to do it once. Like, right? <laughs> and like, I'm excited when I'm the stupidest person in the room. Because that, that means really like, cool. I have lots of stuff to learn. Like, that there's knowledge all around me and I get to soak it up. And it is uncomfortable because you're like, oh God, I feel stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd so much rather be that. Be the dumbest person in the room and have all of this opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. I love it. It's great. So I just, so first day you drilled a bunch of holes. I'm like, I'm just gonna, you know, realize I'm probably not going to have very many friends here and look like an idiot and do my best and improve every day. And I'll be honest, the first three months were a nightmare. Um, my mentor, Brando, there was, we just, we weren't clicking at first. And then like, after talking to some of the guys, like, oh, it's just Brando. Because I'm thinking like, he doesn't like me and all this stuff. And now like, I still talk to Brando. I still see him. Like, it's, I yeah. traveled with Brandon my first five years of the wow. or with him my first five years, even though we were on different teams. So, like, he was there all the time. Interesting. Really cool. But, but you, but you thought he hated you at first. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Interesting. He just was like, Brandon, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's like, note to self, don't always take it personally because it may not have anything to do with you. Yeah. Um, and note to folks out there, like, you know, maybe be aware of the fact that people might think that you hate them and let them know that you don't. Because <laughs> that might be helpful in making them feel more comfortable. <laughs> Crack a smile every night. Yeah, yeah. Brandon smiled. No, he's super cool. It's just he's monotone, very hard to understand, you know. And But we got along great, honestly. It was really nice. I really miss him. <laughs> and like I said, I see him. I love so it. I love it. So you get on the Subaru team, and this is like a full-time position. Full-time, I am a W-4 employee. <laughs> okay. So when did that transition from, okay, I was a full-time dealer tech, now I'm a full-time Subaru motorsports tech, to I'm going to travel the world as a contract for hire motorsports technician, because that's a whole nother, yeah. that's a whole nother nother. A whole nother um, so, at, after the first season, during the winter, uh, Dirtfish had actually commissioned Vermont Sports Car to build them their first two rallycross vehicles. Okay. So, me and Brando each took a car, more or less. Okay. And built these for Dirtfish. And for the first couple of races the next season, I was technically, even though a Vermont Sports Car employee, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I was tasked to crew for Dirtfish, and with the politics that I was learning that happened, and maybe something okay. involving that unwanted attention factor, okay, I had expressed to them that I was probably going to be leaving the company, and I wanted them to be able to prepare for that, okay, and to plan to like bring someone in for my spot, okay, and that's when they asked if I would freelance for them instead. So I literally could not have this job without my husband because I brought this up and he's like, you're not happy. Why don't you try this? Like we have junior projects at home. <laughs> Let's just see what, 
what can happen. You can help me out in the shop here when you can, and we'll just we'll work it out. Cheers to supportive partners. <laughs> yeah, because that makes all the difference. It all really, the difference it, like, it, like seriously though, it really, really, really does. Um, so I did that for four years. Yeah, and we actually started Holler Customs with Dirtfish. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tell people who don't know what Dirtfish is. What Dirtfish is. So Dirtfish <laughs> is started out as a rally school out in Snoqualmie, Washington. Okay. And it has since then developed into like WRC's main media outlet for their news. Uh, but they also follow American uh, Rally. And so they're kind of like a content thing and okay. rally school. Okay. They do um, like women in motorsport events and nice. like got like women's days that they do nice. rally driving and instruction with. And Were all they always stuff. into the women's side of yes, things? Yes, actually. Okay. Dirtfish was the very first team that I worked with with multiple women interesting um not necessarily okay. as mechanics but I mean um, involved Michelle was our team manager the general manager her name was Molly oh, and wow. so that was the first time I had female uniforms yeah it was really cool <laughs> so you're not how many years in as being a mechanic I think at this point I'm like 10 years in 10 years in <laughs> first time having uniforms that fit yeah. your body yeah like you know you could tell when the boys were wearing the girls stuff because they got the cute little v-line neck and the <laughs> uh, like that's not your shirt <laughs> I I know like we, for folks who've been following the series for a while like uniforms come up periodically like yeah all the time, all the time. Like, why is it a thing? Like, explain why that's such a, like, a pivotal moment where you're like, I finally got uniforms that are for me. Well, it's like everybody's different and everybody is different. So, like, even within, like, the women's world, you know, we have childbearing hips, you know, <laughs> and we don't need a crotch that comes out of our halfway knee. down to our leg because then it's stuck to our leg and we can't get up in the car and we got to hike them up and then climb in there. <laughs> it's been nuts to be honest and i've found that the best solution for me is a, a work leaking yeah yeah so when guys make comments because i get this a lot about women wearing leggings when they're in the shop and how inappropriate that is that we're wearing leggings a lot of times because there's really very limited options for work pants that fit there are they're starting to now be more yeah. companies that are making specific stuff for women but like for a long time wearing leggings was really your best bet because wearing pants that don't fit you is unsafe not well and like that's the thing i literally burned myself because i had a uniform that didn't allow me to move and so like there's actually a local girl here in norrisville she works in nascar oh and she makes women's work work heck yeah yeah torque clothing Oh yeah, we got know, Liz. We have to get her on an episode. Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching Definitely this, <laughs> if you're watching this, we need to get you on this podcast. To talk about yeah. this very thing. So yeah. it's, it's such a big deal. So now her so, pants, I, 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 I want to support, but I have a really weird job, and I am crawling around in really different and weird environments dirt snow rain whatever yeah. gravel you've got some very specific needs. and so anything that's not tight i get dirt and all kinds of stuff in there and so that's why i like the tight fitting legging because it doesn't allow for chafing it doesn't allow for dirt to get in there and it stretches so another note to everybody right before we judge <laughs> things there sometimes maybe a really important reason why somebody is doing something and it is not necessarily to get attention. Yeah, when or, you show or, up to Dakar with dreads. No. <laughs> I wasn't washing but, my hair anyways. No. Sometimes there's a story behind it that you just may not know yet. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so you've done, now that you've been traveling, you've been where? You've been oh Germany. What are so some of the, the... Yeah, so last time we did this, yeah, I was in Germany. Yeah, you had just gotten to Germany. Yes. Tell us what you were doing there. So I was about to start my WRC journey. And if you don't know what that is, this is the world's highest level of rally. So like that was the dream. I was actually working for RTR before the okay. team. They're like 30 minutes down the road. Okay. Um, and with COVID and the freelancers are like, we're really sorry, but Ooh. we can't keep you busy. You know? Gotcha. We're not racing. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, 
circle back to my husband, you know, and he's like, I can tell that you're not happy. Like, what do you want to do? What are your dreams? I love that. And I'm like, I want to work in WRC, man. He's like, all right, go see what you can do. And I submitted a resume, not expecting a call back. And I got a call. <laughs> so six months later, I moved to Germany. And I was there for two years working in the WRC. First, it was two years ago. Almost, 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 almost two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I didn't realize you were there that long. Yeah, I was rough. <laughs> okay. Tell me what that was like. What was, what was the hardest part? What was the best part? Um, the hardest part, I think, was the realization of like, you're gone. Like, it's not working 15 hours a day and then coming home to sleep for a couple hours. You're gone. Yeah. So, like, Garrett had developed his own routines at home. And I didn't want to ruin those routines because I'm not a permanent person in my own house anymore. Oh, wow. And yeah. I almost was like, there was literally one time I came home and, like, so in our shop here, to turn on the lights in the front, you have to do a special button on the circuit breaker. Okay. I forgot how to turn the lights on. And that sucked. Like, I kind of, that was like a little bit of a realization moment. Like, I need to be home more. Um, you know, the first year was not bad. There was somewhat of like a consistent schedule, like three to four months I'd come home or he would go over there. And I got put on the race team the second year. And the company was going through all kinds of changes. And so it was very difficult for the communication to be consistent. Okay. And I found that if you had a date, like I'm coming home this day, like we have the countdown. Okay. You had something to look forward yeah. to. But when you don't, it was just like purgatory. this never ending purgatory. Just, like it just, that's kind of what purgatory is. But it's just, <laughs> it was, it just was not working. And I was fighting another battle at work. And a battle at home, and no one will ever care as much about me as that man. So I'm not going to sacrifice that one for someone who literally pushes me to do some wild stuff. Like, I don't know how any partners would do that. So my parents literally were like, "Are you okay? Is he okay? <laughs> like, is Garrett okay?" I'm like, I think so. <laughs> I feel like you should come and poke your head in here. Just Do you so want people, to? So, yeah, so the here, folks here. who are watching can put a face to uh, <laughs> to to this. So, like, cheers to the supportive husbands and and the people. Right. Yes. So this is Garrett. Thank Hello, you everyone. for being an amazingly supportive husband and allowing her to go fly and, and not, not just allowing. That's not even the right word. Yeah, yeah, for encouraging yeah. her and pushing her and supporting her well, to, to do the thing. Kind of the way I look at it is like we're in the same industry. We do the same thing. If yeah. I step on her neck, I'm only stepping on my neck. So it's like if we can be productive together, we can kind of both grow and Make something really cool out of it. You're so good to me. We need more of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, we need more of this in the world. Wonderful. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thank All you right, so much. All right. Get out. <laughs> you had your moment. <laughs> I love that. That is so fantastic. So you ultimately decided to, to leave that, that yeah. job yeah. because you wanted to come back. Exactly. And that's fair. And it was just there were some red flags going and like I don't need to be involved in this. So I'm getting the hell out. Okay. And then a month later I was back in Germany. <laughs> what okay, what did you go back to Germany for a month later? <clears throat> so there was a team called X Raid and they were okay. based like 30, 40 minutes from where the Hyundai shop was. Okay. And they do rally raids. Okay. So rally raids. Yes, explain that. Are somewhat similar to stage rally, but they're like seven days long. Like okay. seven days of racing. Okay. And they actually invited me to go to Dakar with them. So that's 15 days of consistent racing. Okay. Um, so I went to their workshop, got familiar. Um, I was working on some side-by-sides, uh, okay. Yamahas. Interesting. Yep. Um, got familiar with those. 
and then got my ass kicked to Saudi Arabia for a month. So incredible. You've had such an amazing journey. Like you have had such an amazing, amazing journey. I, I, I'm assuming that so many of those opportunities have come from like networking and staying in touch with people. Yeah. Um, so you've been, what other countries? We've got Germany, we've got Saudi Arabia, we've got, what else? What other countries have you been in? Oh my God. Okay. We're doing that game. Yeah. We're we're doing that game that you've worked in. I have worked in other than the U.S. and Canada. Okay. We have Germany, um, Germany, Portugal, Spain, Italy, uh, Estonia, Kenya, Sweden, Finland, Spain, Croatia. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I can say France because I had to drive through it for work. Okay. (laughs) That's incredible. Okay. So you've, you've had a pretty unique perspective then as, as a female technician and as a female technician who's operated in all of these different countries, anything stand out like one country, like differences between the different countries when it comes to perspectives on women, how you were treated, either in the positive or negative? Did you have anything that stood out like, oh my God, this country was amazing to women, this country was awful? So, I mean, I brought up the Kenya one. Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia was wild. I bet. Yes. Talk to me about that. Um, Garrett's <laughs> like, yeah, so Saudi Arabia, I don't know if it's the blonde hair. I was hanging out with two other very blonde women. Mine's not so blonde anymore. But um, so I don't know if it was the blonde hair or the woman factor. It stood out on two, like two notes, blonde and Or the fact know. that we were always in uniform. So we're not covered. Right. Um, no tattoos, no um, religious symbols. Um, yeah, women's face have to be covered. Uh, their body has to be covered. Um, so luckily, you know, Saudi Arabia is trying to be part of the economic world, right? So like they just had the World Cup over there. Yeah. So now it's Dakar. And so they they have to allow these exceptions right. in order to be part of the rest of the world. Sure. Um, there was one time I was advised not to use the restroom because I was wearing knee-length shorts. Okay. Um, which is fine because the one public restroom for a woman that I did find, which is rare, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's still beautiful inside, but you're still essentially going in a hole in the ground. Okay. Um, so you have a station to go do your business. Then you have a station to rinse off your feet. Oh. Just in case you get some splash and you miss the hole. Okay. And then you have a hand wash station. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, so it took some adapting to. Yeah, I just went pee in the desert yeah. all the time. We just pulled over and whatever. But um, the, the thing in public was wild, though. Like, me and the two other women, we were within, like, a 500 meter, I don't know how to translate that, I'm sorry, distance. And we were bouncing across the street in, like, a plaza trying to find a coffee joint. And one of the girls started freaking out. She's like, the police are following us. And they were. Oh. Yeah, they were literally, as we would bounce, they were following us and waiting for us to leave. And then, and I don't necessarily think it's like, these women are breaking the law. Right. We're in uniform. But you look suspicious. And Well, I wonder if it has something to do with, like, they know how their country is towards women. And we don't want anything happening within this organization to cause a scene maybe on the worldwide level. Oh, interesting. That's my theory. Okay. I like that. I like it because it's I like got not better. as much of a malice in Yeah, We're going to go with that. <laughs> um, but in 2019, they just allowed women to start driving. And so at one point, we were behind a car. And I'm like, oh, we need to pass this guy. He's drunk. And it was like a seven-year-old kid. With a full-grown woman in the passenger seat, you know? So I'm like, this is a way better choice. Of course. Duh. <laughs> so the seven-year-old was driving. Yeah. You okay. know, um, and like when we're in public, like people's like this close. They've got their phones in your face wow. recording. So it was kind of like how, a walking search. How was that for you? I mean, just like adapting to that. Like you, 
you've got all as a woman already in motorsports, you've got all eyes on you. Now it's like you're in a yeah. place where just being a woman, period, not even a female mechanic, but a woman at all. Yeah. I have been somewhat used to it. My parents, we did travel as kids. Okay. And I noticed that when we would go, we've been to like Honduras and Mexico a couple of times, and those parts, my hair was really, really blonde. And everybody wanted to touch my hair. Mm. And so I kind of, when I was in a country that wasn't predominantly white or stereotypically white, however you want to call it, I kind of expect to stick out. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, where I used to go, that's just Yeah, you had had that experience. I mean, shoot, even in the U.S., I had to do my English class. Like, sounds weird, but can I touch your hair? (laughs) Like, what? It's like, it looks like ramen noodles. Oh my goodness. For those who are listening in the podcast form, she has this lovely, amazing, really curly hair. And um and yeah, for anybody, like it's not it's not okay to ask to see our hands and touch them in inspect for dirt. It's also not okay to ask people to touch their hair. It's a little strange, you know. It's kind of weird. But you had traveled, you grew up traveling. Yeah. So this was not uncommon to you. Okay. So awesome. I, I was just kind of, I was curious to see what I would have yeah. run into. And I'm yeah. glad that it was just that. How I would about, not go as a tourist. That's fair. How about the flip side? Any any countries that you've worked in where you were like struck by how cool they were towards women as technicians in that environment where you were like, oh, this is refreshing. Um, Honestly, Germany. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, The guy that hired me was a German man. Okay. And it was really cool because when he was going over my resume with me, um, there was one season, granted it was a very, very short season, but I took care of Dirtfish's cars and they had four. Okay. And that's how we started to follow our customs. Okay. So he was going over that and he's like, I see you took care of four cars by yourself for a season. And I'm like, yeah, well, their spec cars is easy. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't downplay this. You nice. Know? I was like, okay. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that is no small thing. <laughs> so, like, that was kind of cool. And and to be honest, it was kind of one of the first times where I would, I was asked, like, can you go make this bracket or do this? And I'm like, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to go do it. And so I don't know if that was it, but everyone... They're like, you got the job for a reason. You should be able to know how to do this. It wasn't like, can you do this? It was it like was a film. Like, you, you need to go do this. This is the place. Yeah. Here's the stuff. Let me know when you're finished. And like, that was really nice. That is. Um, I just would assume that if you don't know what to do, you should ask a question, you know? And that's what I did. But it was it was really nice not having to kind of be walked on something that it should yeah. be common knowledge, I feel like. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. I like that that's what you pointed out as the thing that struck you the most in this in this culture. Like, I feel like that's what we want. Like, that's yeah. all we want. Like, I, yeah. I have so many women involved in the build, the all-female builds, say that the thing that struck them the most was walking into a space where it was just assumed that they were capable. Right. They weren't questioned. They They weren't judged. They weren't judged for not knowing. They weren't assumed to not know. Um, and it was just that, like, that of course you're capable yeah because you're here yeah and like how simple is that like that's all <laughs> that's all yeah that's and all we want just I, assume that we're capable i think the thing that really <laughs> solidified it for me was um there had been talks because like i feel like inflation is really starting to take place at this time mm-hmm. so there was talks of like pay raises and so everybody's talking about what they're making and I was really nervous to yeah. find out what i was making compared to everybody else and it was exactly exactly the same as the guys on my group. Okay. Yes. That's amazing. And like, it, yeah, like that was, that felt really good. Yes. It felt really good. Cause like, I've been, I've been severely, I've been told by male counterparts that I am quote, grossly underpaid. And they use gross because it's disgusting how much I was underpaid. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So like that was really nice. That was That's really, huge. really nice to see. Assume we're capable and pay us equally. 
That doesn't seem like that's that difficult. <laughs> and yet it stands out in all of those countries that you've worked in as like the one place where you felt that. That is both an amazing statement and a really sad statement. Yeah. There's a lot of things, don't get me wrong, that I would not want to bring from Germany to the U.S. Okay, fair. But <laughs> there's a lot of really cool stuff that I feel like we could take notes from. We don't have to completely change what we do, like, completely. It's just very simple tweaks. Simple tweaks. Yeah. Whether it's the automotive industry or the government side. But we're not here for that. So. <laughs> we're not going to go there. But I do feel like we could talk for another, like, three hours. Yes. And sadly, we do not have another three hours. In fact, our hour is, I just looked. We are up. Our hour is up. So I have, so here's what's going to happen. We, I've got one final question for Ms. Heather. And then um, I'm going to say goodnight to everybody who's listening in the podcast. But everybody who's watching, stick around. Because once I say goodnight to podcast listeners, we're going to do a little tour. We're going to try to make technology work for us. Um, and we're going to do a little tour of the shop. And you can show us and you'll get to see Garrett a little bit more probably because he'll He'll talk about some of his projects in the shop so you can get kind of a little backstage pass. This is like the extended bonus track <laughs> that you're going to get if you hang out here. So my final question. Do you have the opportunity to talk to the younger you? <laughs> little baby Heather or another little girl like you out in the world or even a little boy, but a, a, just a child that wants to be like you when they grow up. Watch your mouth. Ooh. Yeah. Tell me about this. That's interesting advice. I've not heard this one before. And this is something I've actually recently come to learn. Okay. Um, shop environments are very conducive to a foul mouth. I have been doing a lot more stuff on film. And it sounds awful. It sounds uneducated. It sounds... Like, you have nothing better to say. And it sucks. I'm so hypocritical saying this because in ooh, my husband's giggling in the background. But, but you know, like, I think my Aunt Rosemary is really what did it this last trip back home. I was visiting my grandmother. And she's like, try not to. And then, like, I took that to heart and I was watching some of my YouTube stuff. And I'm like, I do try to be conscious, but it's still a lot. And, and I feel like I can do better. That's really, I so appreciate you bringing that up. I really do. And I love that, like, this was a, what's your message to your younger self? And she's like, no, no, I have a message for myself right now. Yeah. Um, this isn't even to my younger self. Because um, I, I resonate with that. And I feel like also a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I did not have a dirty mouth when I was younger. Me too. I learned it from the industry as my survival technique. Because I learned, I came up about 10 years before you, I think. Um, and, and I, like, I learned that the best defense was a good offense. And so I learned how to make everybody else blush before they had the opportunity to make me uncomfortable. Like, that was my survival technique. So, like, if they're going to be crude, I'm going to be cruder because then they can never make me feel uncomfortable. There. That was my <laughs> that was my tactic, but I was never that person before, yeah. and I learned it. And now I'm like looking back, and it's like we can do better, guys. Like we can do better as an industry. This doesn't look good on us. I just wonder, like, what was not presented because of perhaps a misrepresentation of who I am? Mm. You know, and that's kind of a thing. Like, you know, we love to feel sexy, and yes, I just recently posted a bikini photo, but careful. Like, yeah. I can't post that stuff and not expect weird stuff to be said. Yes. So don't be naive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And as a woman, all eyes are on you. Whether it's right or not, when you're in the minority, all eyes are on you. So, interesting. This has been fascinating. God, we really need to have you on again and more often because you are fantastic. I. I, it's hard to keep up with the comments, guys, like oh. while we're doing this, especially because I'm so far away from Thank the computer you, screen right now. But um, <laughs> seeing so many great comments and like and people just commenting on your energy and like just you just your beingness. You are just such a beautiful Thank human you. being and you've you. led an incredibly fascinating life. And as we as we tease, there's so much more coming. Maybe she'll tell us a little bit about what's coming in the future while we're doing the shop tour. So don't go anywhere. 
those of you who are watching. Um, and uh, I'll, heck, I'll leave this part in on the audio version too, but you just won't be able to see anything. You'll be able to hear in case we say anything awesome. So um, stay tuned. But for anybody who's going to go, I appreciate you guys joining and hanging out with us for this hour. I hope you enjoyed hanging out and getting to know Heather as much as I did. I've known her for years, but I still feel like I got to know you so much better in this hour. Um, we obviously could go on for a long, long time, but I will respect all of your guys' time and let you go for the evening. Until next time, be good to yourselves, be good to one another. Make sure you come back every Wednesday night for another awesome episode of the With Her Two Hands podcast to meet another fantastically inspiring woman. And every Monday night, of course, tune in for an archive episode. You can listen anywhere you get podcasts. You can watch on YouTube and on Facebook. And what else do I have to say? Oh, another huge thank you to our partner who brought made this episode possible, Apex. If you're not already registered, link is down below. Go get yourself registered now. Um, those spots do fill up really quickly in Las Vegas hotels. I might not um, that. Have you been to Apex? No. Don't judge me. Okay, this year, you are okay. on the hook. I'm going for it. Can you swear? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yeah. All right, so you <laughs> can come hang out with both of us at Apex. This year, make sure you're there.